Welcome to Melden Law and Friends. I'm Jeffrey Melden, founder of Melden Law, and we have an exciting show for you today. Uh, for those of you that are uh, watching and those of you who are listening, um, I have a very good friend of mine and uh, one of the most uh, significant uh, politicians in the history of Gainesville with us today, uh, the Honorable Rodney Long. Before we get to uh, uh, Mr. Long, we are going to uh, mention a few things about Melden Law giving away tickets to uh, all the Gator events. Uh, today is, I think, our, I don't know, 63rd episode or something like that. And as uh, uh, many of you know, we try to uh, give away tickets to Gator events to Number one, make people happy and get to go to the game, and also promote what's going on with the Gators. We live in Gainesville, Florida, and the Gators are the big dogs. Even though this year our football team did not live up to its normal standards, uh, there's a whole round of great talent uh, coming into Gator sports this winter. Uh, the Lady Gators gymnastics team is ranked number two in the country and for those of you that haven't been to a Gator Gymnastics event, check it out. Uh, the arena, the O-Dome, is packed, and we have some of the most incredible uh, athletes in the whole country in gymnastics. It's wonderful. Another big thing going on is the Lady Gator basketball team, which is rocking this year, uh, one of the best years they've had in a long, long time. And they're playing uh, at the O-Dome frequently, so uh, check them out. And also, the, lady, uh, the men's basketball team is doing great. So uh, we have a lot of exciting things going on right now. And if you go to Meldon Law Facebook page, you will see all of our ticket giveaways. Plus, we are here at Spurs Gridiron Grill, and we frequently give away uh, special gift certificates to uh, Spurriers so that uh, all of you can uh, come here, check it out. It's an amazing place, uh, a, a museum, a restaurant, uh, right in Celebration Point. And it's really um, exciting that uh, Coach Spurrier, who's been with us for uh, in Gainesville almost 60 years off and on, uh, has uh, put his energy into creating a really neat place to come and uh, spend time with friends and uh, celebrate and have a good time. So that's what's going on. Again, just go to uh, Melden Law Facebook page, and you will see all kinds of uh, giveaways for uh, Gator Athletics. That's uh, the way that Melden Law, the only official injury law firm partner of the Florida Gators, gets to uh, share back. Uh, with the community as far as ticket giveaways. So uh, check us out. We are very excited that uh, we're able to do that. Uh, my uh, first guest today, a very, very good friend, and uh, uh, one of the folks that I admire most in our community is uh, Rodney Long. How are you doing today, Rodney? Jeffrey, thank you so much. I'm doing quite well. Happy New Year to you, and I really appreciate you giving me this platform, and I'm really excited to be here at Spurrier's. Uh, restaurant. It is it's an awesome museum, awesome place, and if you haven't been here, you need to come and visit it. Yeah, had you seen it before today? No, I have not, and this is a treat to me, and uh, I'll get the opportunity to get the official tour, and certainly I will be back to have dinner for sure. 
Yeah, pretty neat place, isn't it? It's an awesome place. Awesome I know. Place. Now, now, were you born and raised in Gainesville? Yes, I was. Okay, so where'd you go to high school at? Well, I went to high school at Gainesville High School. GHS. GHS. Graduated <laughs> in 1974. So you're a purple hurricane. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Purple hurricane. And, and uh, after high school, uh, where, where'd you go to school at? Well, I went to Santa Fe College. Okay. Uh, that was my first stop there, and I left there. I went to Howard University. And then from there, I came back to the University of Florida and uh, finished up at a Doolin Bible College. I've had the opportunity to do some post-high school education, which is certainly always good. Education is one of my most important things, and one of the things that the Martin Luther King Commission prides itself on. Uh, we've given out over $325,000 in scholarships to high school seniors here since 1989, So, and we'll be talking about that a little later. Yeah, well, we could uh, jump right into it. Uh, tell us what's going on. I know, you know, we have Martin Luther King Day coming up, and you were instrumental in uh, having a special center for Martin Luther King right in the middle of Gainesville. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, the King Center is, is certainly something that uh, we advocated for the city of Gainesville. The city of Gainesville was very gracious in naming the facility in honor of Dr. King. Um, I had left the commission once it got started, but it eventually it got done. But I was involved a little bit before that happened. When I was at UF, a student at UF in the early 80s, and in 1982, we had the first Martin Luther King March. And the national holiday was not proclaimed until 1986. This was 1982, and we were doing King Celebration events before the national holiday was proclaimed. We partnered with the University of Florida Institute of Black Culture, and they used to have their events on the Plaza of Americas. And from there, we had the first march from there downtown to the Bodipi Plaza, and that's where the impetus started with celebrating King in Gainesville. And eventually, um, I created the Martin Luther King Commission in 1984, founding president, been that for quite some time now. And it grew from a one-day event to over a week of events that we've done. We, we have a Martin Luther King Memorial in downtown Gainesville. Uh, we in 1980. That's right in front of the city hall, right? right? In front of the city hall. Yeah, I mean that's a really cool place because yeah. I, you know, the city hall. For those of you uh, that aren't from Gainesville, uh, the city hall has some beautiful uh, w fountains and water uh, lily pad. You know, uh, I don't know what we call it, it, it but they're really cool right. ponds, right? Yeah. And in that memorial, we have all of the individuals who received our awards. All of the people who received the Martin Luther King Hall of Fame Award for those things that they've done in our community that continuously does those things that Martin Luther King does, nonviolent social change. And, of course, every student that we've given a scholarship to since 1989 is enshrined in that space in the Martin Luther King uh, Memorial. Uh, and we also named the Martin Luther King Highway, which is 441 in Gainesville, from Marion County to uh, Columbia County. It's the longest named highway in America in honor really? of Dr. King. Wow. And uh, we had the unveiling of that highway on the steps of Tiger Hall in 1989, and uh, Governor Lawton Childs was the speaker, along with Senator Bob Graham at the time. So a lot of things has happened over those years, and we've, we've done a lot. Education is our real focus. Plus, we also make sure that we deal with those things in the social justice, civil rights era. We try to make sure that we push back on those things that people are trying to take from people who are people who have been through a struggle. 
whether civil rights, human rights, equal rights, we push back whenever those things come. And believe it or not, this year's theme is an interesting one. Uh, it's that this year's theme is these are troubled times, but we're still fighting. And we're going back to fight for some of the things, same things we fought for in the 1950s and 60s. Civil rights, basic voting rights, human rights. So we're pushing back. And as you know now, all across the, state, all across the country, there's a pushback on democracy. There's a pushback on people voting, the, the right, the primary right to vote. So we're fighting those things, and, and as the keynote speaker at the gala on Sunday, I'll be talking a lot more about that. Tell us a little bit about the gala that's uh, coming up this Sunday. Well, the gala is something we've done. This is our 37th annual Hall of Fame gala. We've been doing that every year, and we recognize a person who has given contributions to our community every year. This year, we're recognizing the Honorable Judge Stephen P. Mickle. Wow. This year, uh, our first African-American attorney, county court, circuit court, district court judge, and U.S. district judge, and the first graduate from the University of Florida. So I got <laughs> so to tell you, Stephen Mickle. So I came to Gainesville in 1970, and I opened up my office in 1971, and I ran into uh, Stephen very early in my career. And uh, I'm trying to remember, he was... Uh, it was Mickle, Green, and uh, Harris. Mm-hmm. Benny Harris and uh, uh, Aaron Green, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Right, Aaron Green. So you knew all those mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. guys. Anyhow, um, we got to be friends when he was just starting off. Yep. And Stefan was such a bright guy. He was not only practicing law, but he was a professor at the right. University of Florida Law School. And you know he founded the uh, University of Florida Black Alumni Association. I didn't he, know yeah, that. he started that. He founded that, and he was the founding president of that. So he's done some great things. He was the first African-American to have a law firm as well in Alaska yeah. County. So he's been around a while. And uh, we and one, one of the interesting things that's happening this particular year, they are renaming the Alachua County Courthouse in honor of Judge Mickle. It's the Stephen P. Mickle Courthouse. Which one? The Lachlan County Criminal Courthouse. Oh, the Criminal Courthouse. Oh, wow. That's, South Main Street. That's that, going to be happening yeah. on January the 14th at 12 noon, open to the public. Uh, so that's we're, we're really excited about that. The Lachlan County Commission uh, has decided they want to rename that building in honor of Judge Mickle, which is a fitting tribute uh, to Judge Mickle. I'll tell you, I uh, not only was good friends with him, but I practiced in front of him for many, many years. And uh, Judge Mickle always went out of his way to try to be a good human being, to be fair to people. He he would lay the hammer on people if uh, they deserved it. Um, and he also knew the law. He was very, very bright guy, but his humanity is what stood out. Well, Judge Mickler and I used to have a lot of offline conversations about a lot of different things, and a lot of these things we have we will take to our grave. So we were real, <laughs> real, 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 real close friends when it comes to communicating things about what's going on in Alachua County, because I was in Alachua County in politics during a lot of the period of time when he was serving in office. So, you know, I would give him the lay of the land from the political perspective and talk to him about a lot of different things, and he's done tremendous things from for this community. He was the real standard bearer of being the first of many in many areas. So, uh, and that's why we're so honored that we're recognizing him this year at the gala that's, that's this coming Sunday. So if people want to go to the gala, tell, tell everybody how to sign up and how to well, show up. Tickets are limited because of COVID this year. We've, we've actually limited our participation, and we only have a maximum amount of seating. 
uh, and they can contact uh, me at the Martin Luther King Commission, 352-376-2442, or they can visit uh, the Martin Luther King Jr. Commission.org website uh, and get information on that. So they, if you just Google it, Martin Luther King Jr. Commission. Commission.org. Uh, and put Gainesville in, and mm -hmm. then, you know. So yeah. if, if any of you want to go to a great event, just put it, just Google it, right? What's the phone number again? 352-376-2442. Okay, so if you... And to, if, if you're thinking about going to, I think by tomorrow it, it, it'll be sold out. But so okay, so... <laughs> if people are thinking about going, they so need to really step up quick. If you're thinking of going, uh, go, go to the event, it's where, at the Hilton? And, and, and it's going to be at the Best Western Gateway Grand, and it's the oh. only event that we do where there's a cost. Everything else we do for the nine, ten other events, they're free, open to the public, and we'll talk about those a little bit later. Oh, well, the Best Western's easy to get to. It's right off uh, I-75. Um, that's where the... Um, how about yeah. 222, the first exit, if you're coming, going south? Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, in the fall, I go out there, you know, for the, uh, you know, the Gator football uh, group. You know, they all yeah. sit around and the, we talk about Gator football and stuff. It's a great, great hotel, great restaurant out there and a nice uh, ballroom to have a, a, a big event. And it's easy to park. So take advantage of uh, what's going on. So uh, what's the date again for Sunday? For Sunday, January 9th. Uh, reception starts 5.30, and the actual Hall of Fame gala starts at 6.30. So. Okay. So everybody's got that information. It's going to be um, a blast. Um, are you going to be speaking there at the yes, event? Yes, this year I will be speaking on this year's theme that I just mentioned to you. Okay. I, and uh, who's going to introduce uh, the Stefan Mickle uh, Award? Um, that his wife is going to be there to accept it, Evelyn Mickle. She will accept the award, and she will do the official remarks on his behalf on Monday, the national holiday, when we have the enshrinement program downtown at the Martin Luther King Memorial. Wow, that's so. This is really a big year in Gainesville, as far as uh, not only recognizing you know Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., but also um, St uh, the Honorable Stephen Mickle, who. You know, was a very close friend of Rodney Long's, a uh, very good friend of mine, and who I always, um, you know, considered to be, uh, you know, a, a shining light in, in, in our community. He he always had such grace about him, right? Yeah, he was. He he definitely operated with a lot of grace, and as you said earlier, he was a person who had the human side. He was a humanitarian, and he understood how to deal and apply the law with people's real situations. And I went in the bet you there are a lot of people who said he really gave me a break or another opportunity. He gave opportunities, however, he held people accountable. accountable. Absolutely. And and I, I think as a lawyer, and I mean you've been in, in the law business for a long time because you've been a, a bail bondsman for <laughs> a long time, so you know a lot about the law. Absolutely. Uh, that there are certain judges that. Um, you know, uh, are tougher, and that the toughness doesn't always, re, you know, create the best results. Sometimes, if you have humanity, you can, you know, give people a second chance, and some of the people take advantage of it. Well, and the problem that I think a lot of judges have is their hands are tied, because a lot of the laws have minimum mandatory sentences, and it has taken a lot of the humanitarian and a lot of the opportunity that judges may have 
to give people an opportunity because the law is broad and it applies to everybody the same. So it's challenging for judges these days to be able to do what they think is right and fair because their hands are tied with minimum mandatory sentences, which for the most part don't work. Correct. I mean, there has to be, right, uh, you know, not, uh, you know, people don't always, uh, you know, if you, what do they say? You can't put, you know, uh, a round peg in a square, in a square hole, hole and stuff like that. And so you have to you know, really kind of um, uh, fash, try to fashion uh, the uh, sentence or whatever it is right. based on the circumstances of both the um, person who committed the crime and the victim Absolutely. and try to be aware of all that. And I, I think, uh, you know, you've seen so much. You know, Rodney and I have gone through our careers uh, in many ways parallel because I did criminal defense for many, many years, and Rodney was, uh, you know, the, probably the most prominent bail bondsman. I, I knew all the bail bondsmen, you know, <laughs> Reuben Williams yeah. and uh, and uh, Mr. Roundtree. Yeah, those were guys that they preceded me for sure. As, when I came in, they were at, at, almost at the tail end of their careers. They had been in for a long time. So, uh, and many of them mentored me and, and put me on the right track, and I did the same thing for many of the guys who were, who were here now. I remember Reuben Williams. He, he'd come in my office and uh, chat every once in a while, and he, he, was, uh, he was another really Im important figure uh, in, mm -hmm. in our community because he, he got a lot of people out of jail uh, and, you know, that, uh, you know, enabled them to get things right Absolutely. and, uh, you know, do things uh, the right way. So anyhow, um, I want to, uh, we're getting ready to uh, take a break now on Meldon Law and Friends. And when we come back, um, we're, we're talking with, um, I call you the Honorable Rodney Law. Well, you will always be honorable until you do something dishonorable. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be back in 60 seconds on Meldon Law and Friends. Albert. Alberta, I understand you were witnesses to a crash. Can you tell us about the accident? When you're in a crash, it's important to get witness statements immediately after the accident. Whether you're in a car, truck, motorcycle, scooter, or even a golf cart accident, at Meldon Law, we won't back down. We still hear it, the sound of victory, the joy of being part of something great. And while things may not be the same right now, we haven't gone anywhere. If you bleed orange and blue, then Melden Law is the firm for you. Welcome back to Meldon Law and Friends. I'm Jeffrey Meldon. We are here at Spurrier's Gridiron Grill with the Honorable Rodney Long, and we are having a great uh, time here. Uh, I want to sh give a shout-out to Spurrier's. They're doing great work uh, as far as... Uh, celebrating uh, everything that is not only Spurrier but the Gators, and uh, it's a one-of-a-kind uh, uh, restaurant and museum. So uh, come bring your friends out here. You will have a good time. Uh, the, it's, it's usually really packed early uh, 
you know, starting around 5.30 or 6 o'clock, but it opens at 3, so if you get there a little early or come a little later, you know, around 9 o'clock or so, you can usually get in, and uh, you can always go saddle up at the bar and uh, have dinner there if you're... Uh, if you can't get a reservation. So uh, come, and, come and visit us. Uh, we've had a great uh, time hosting our podcast here at Spurrier's. So, uh, Rodney, I wanted to go back a little bit. You got involved in politics uh, during the 1980s. I know you ran for uh, the city commission in Gainesville first. Is right. that right? Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> well, uh I kind of stumble into politics. Uh, it's, uh, politics was not something that I pursued. Uh, I pursued it from the perspective of being involved in the community, and that led to me actually serving in politics. Um, I got involved serving in the community in the 1970s, late 70s, 78, 79, with Martin, with Music Express, WONE. From that perspective, doing community events and get involved with community organizations like the NAACP. Who is, was, it, was Wayne Fields Wayne involved? Wayne Fields was my business partner. <laughs> Wild Bill Feinberg was my other business partner. I know them both. And, and that's how I kind of got involved with civic involvement, doing the sportathon and doing things for the community, and then having nightclubs and those things. And what drew me to politics is there was a ordinance that was being proposed that would actually eliminate a business that we own, which was a nightclub after hours club. Mm -hmm. So, and it was being done by the city of Gainesville. Hey, I already really even know what city hall was to be quite honest <laughs> with you. But I went and we got engaged in it and I said, I'm going to learn everything I can about this particular entity. And then I got involved with the, the advisory boards and those things of the city, trying to improve and keep people informed. And then I got involved with the NAACP. And we got we, we championed an issue of changing the electoral process from an at-large election to a single-member district election, which will give access to African Americans and other minorities. Oh, because I think we, what were there like five districts? Yeah, we had five, so? five at-large seats, right. and all the people who were getting elected were people at large. However, we had had African Americans who were elected. We had Aaron Green and Neil Butler who were elected, but African Americans who would run afterwards. Didn't get elected, although all the precincts that were predominantly African-American would vote for the candidate of their choice. So their votes were diluted at large. So okay. we changed the system to a single-member district system through the NAACP, working with the city of Gainesville, not suing them, working with them and encouraging them, telling them why they should do this, because we had all the data to show. If we went to court with the NAACP with a lawsuit, you would lose because that was what was going on around the country. So they voluntarily uh, did it. Oh, oh, I see. In other words, what you were trying to explain is, you know, uh, the, the idea of, you know, um, each person's vote had to count. Single-member district. Single-member. You, you live in the district, and the people in the district vote for you instead of everybody all throughout the whole city voting for you. Because the votes for minorities, because minorities at that time lived in concentrated areas, their votes were diluted when you voted them all in at large. However, in the areas that were predominantly African-American, they voted for the candidate of their choice. So we changed the system, and we created districts that would represent at that time the majority of different people, so people would have access. And I was the first one who ran in 1988, and I won. And uh, I won two oh, times. So, so in other words, first you went about getting the district set up. Absolutely. Then you ran in the district where there was a, a predominantly African-American population. Absolutely. But it wasn't my intent. I didn't want to run. I, wanted, <laughs> I, I, I did not want to run to get involved in politics because at the time, 
it was easier for me to interface with all the elected officials and not box myself in by becoming one of them. Right. But when we looked at the people who were running, we were saying, oh, no, this is not going to work. So I was kind of drafted and said, you got to run. So I ran in a three-person candidate. I got 50.14% of the vote. And if the other candidate who came in second place had gotten 10 more votes, I would have been in a runoff and probably lost. Okay, well, <laughs> and then, but then you got reelected, right? I got reelected again, served as mayor at the time, 1991. Set out a couple of years because I wanted to get involved more with my sons, and they were young, and I started coaching and doing things in the community, a lot of youth athletics. Still involved civically with different things on the city and the county. Then ran for the county commission in 2000 when Charles Chestnut III, my mentor, re- retired. Oh, I ran for oh, that Charles seat. Chestnut the third, who owns the Chestnut Funeral yeah. Home. He retired in 2000. Yeah. Right. I was not interested in getting back in politics at the time, but they said, well, you know, you, we don't have a choice. You got to run. So I ran in 2000, and I served until 2011. Now, do they have single districts in the no, county? No, at large. You, you won I, at see, large. I ran at large, but at the time, people lived all across Alachua County. And at the time, different constituency groups, if you work closely with different constituency groups, you can get enough votes to win. And that's what I did. I, I, I collaborated with a lot of different constituency groups all throughout Alachua County and won. And back then, there were, they had runoff elections. You ran in August, a runoff election in October, then the general election in November. Of course, they changed that now, so they don't do that anymore. But I had to run three times in 2002 to get elected. Wow. And, and I did. And you did. And then um, how long did you serve on the county Eleven commission? years. Eleven, Eleven years, three terms, three times as chair. I had the opportunity to serve as president of the Florida Association of Counties for two years. I was involved at the national level of Florida Association of, of Counties. And in 2011, I was invited to the White House to speak on behalf of counties throughout the country by President Obama. So did you get to meet President I got Obama? To, got to meet so, President Obama. So tell us about that. What was it? What? Well, it was not like I sat out in the Oval Office with him and had a long conversation, but we did have the opportunity to chat. When we talked, we talked about basketball because that's one of his favorite things. And at the time, one of our favorite basketball players from here, Joaquin Noah, was playing with Chicago Bulls. I said, uh, yeah, okay, well, one of our Florida boys playing with your team. <laughs> Since he, he loves the Bulls. He's from Chicago. Yeah. He said, well, who is that? I said, Jakeem Noah. Oh, yeah, Jakeem Noah. So we had that kind of conversation, and it was a brief conversation. It wasn't a long conversation because everybody wants the president's attention. But I had the opportunity to share that little moment with him for that. Well, that's pretty cool that you, you just that you were able to be invited, you know, to Washington to meet the president. And, you know, Barack Obama did some amazing things uh, in, in office. So, uh, so in 2011, okay, uh, you say, um, yep. I'm done. Yep. And so, and I've been involved, you know, civically, I mean, doing a lot of different things business-wise. Of course, I own a couple of businesses, real estate business, brokerage firm, uh, the bail bonds firm, and I do consulting uh, for commercial. And I do a lot of giving back to my not-for-profits. I have the Loan Foundation, which we deal with poverty-related issues, food insecurity, making sure the community gets food and those types of things. The Martin Luther King Commission, of course, which we deal with as well. And uh, I, I stay busy. I'm involved with my church. I'm on staff, the administrative staff at the church. So I'm busy, plus I'm a grandfather and a great-grandfather. So I like it. <laughs> well, so. one of the things that I've always admired about you is that when you were, you know, the county commission, on the county commission, uh, you would walk across the street and the homeless people would be over there, 
And uh, even though you were a big dog, you, you'd go down and you'd sit there and talk with uh, folks that uh, were homeless and hanging around. And I always admired that about you, that uh, no matter what someone's station in life was, you were always willing to uh, give them a hand up. Well, one of the things about my tenure on the county commission was I dealt with the poverty-related issues, hunger and homelessness. And I was the commissioner on the county that spearheaded the 10-year plan to eradicate homeless. We created a 10-year plan, and that's what I championed for 10 years, brought all the parties together. We've created a 10-year plan, which long-term plan was to create a place that would be a one-stop place for homeless people to go and can get all the services in one place. That is now Grace Marketplace now. Right, which, uh, which is a big improvement <laughs> over what it was. What it was, and also to how do we deal with our uh, homelessness when it comes to all of the different collaborative that they need, medical services, and making sure that we don't put homeless people in jail and those kinds of things, changing laws that we don't criminalize being homeless, and trying to make sure that we can deal with people who are homeless. And not everybody who's homeless is a person who comes off I-75. The majority of the people who are homeless are women with children, and they've faced either domestic battery or some type of challenge, or they've lost their jobs or incomes, and they're the ones who are homeless. Now, we do have other people who are homeless, veterans who have co-occurring disorders, and some of them are mentally ill. That's true. But the majority of the people who usually are homeless are people, families, women with children. And technically, by definition, uh, if you don't have a place that you call home, if you sleep on somebody's sofa, a grandmother's sofa, or aunt, your aunt's sofa, you are technically homeless. And that's what we have in our, in our school system today. We have a <coughs> lot of kids who are homeless because they, they live with other relatives and people. So, so we did that. So that's one of the things that I championed while I was on the county commission. So um, we're tr- getting near the end of the show. There's a few. I want to uh, have you kind of talk uh, about a few takeaways that our listeners and viewers uh, can have as far as what's going on in the next couple of weeks, because this okay. is this is a big time right now uh, in Gainesville, and, and particularly, uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, uh, Stephen Mickle being honored and uh, everything else that's going on, that's, that's a big deal. I've known you for a long time. I knew Stephen for forever, and uh, I, I really appreciate everything you've done. So tell the listeners... What are some of your takeaways? Well, we talked about the uh, we talked about the Hall of Fame gala that's on Sunday. On next Tuesday, uh, which is going to be January 11th, we're going to have our Remembering Martin and Coretta program, which is actually going to be produced by uh, Martin Luther King's fraternity, the Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity, and Coretta Scott <coughs> King's sorority, the Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority, and they put they come together and they do a program in honor of both of them. And that's going to be at Day Spring Baptist Church located at 1945 North East 8th Avenue. On Wednesday night, we're going to have a town hall mm-hmm. symposium. It's also going to be streamed on our platforms, our YouTube page, our Facebook page, and, of course, our website. And the topic is the role of the black church in today's modern social justice movement. Because it was the church back in the 60s during the civil rights movement that moved civil rights legislation. Mm-hmm. Now the church's role is a little challenging today in the social movement judgment. So we're going to have some some great panelists that's going to talk about what is the role of the church. And then we got some other events. We talked earlier about the renaming of the courthouse at 12 noon on January 14th in honor of Judge Mickle. But that evening, there's going to be a concert 
at Bodili Plaza. Judge Mickle's concert is going to be there. It's going to be free and open to the public. Mm -hmm. And we're doing another cultural event with the Star Center. We're doing the actual play, The Color Purple, which is going to be at the Star Center. And people want tickets, they need to go on the Star Center's website because they're free, but they're limited. Now, they, they have a venue inside the Star Center? The, the Star, the Star mm -hmm. Center Theater. It's the Star Center Theater. And if you go to their website, they mm -hmm. have tickets that you can get. They're free, but they're limited. And um, also, we're going to have, on the national holiday, we got four events on the national holiday. 11 o'clock, we do the enshrinement program in front of City Hall at the MLK Memorial Gardens. That's where we're going to enshrine Judge Mickle and our high school senior who won our scholarship this year. Her name is Gabrielle Gregory. She's a senior at PK Young. And then at 12 o'clock, we have the big parade where everybody comes. It's free. Everybody comes. They bring their banners. We march from downtown Bodidley all the way over to Citizens Field. And then when we get to Citizens Field, our high school senior who received the scholarship is the keynote speaker on this year's theme. And then at 2 o'clock, we'll end the program that particular day with the National Holiday Gospel Program. This year, we got national recording artist Helen Miller, who's coming to Gainesville this year to close out our activities. And, of course, we have calendar of events. You can go to the website, martinlutherkingjuniorcommission.org. We have all the events online. And uh, wherever you fit in, get in. I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, we're really uh, fortunate in Gainesville that we have a lot of uh, folks that uh, are involved. And, you know, uh, the University of Florida certainly uh, has a lot of young folks that bring energy uh, to the movement. And there's a lot of folks in the community like yourself who've been around for a long time that still have the desire and the willingness to keep on going. Right. And, 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 and that's the challenge going forward. How do we make sure that we pass off without a blunder this baton to the generation who really don't want it, but they don't have any choice, they got to receive it? We saw some glimpses of that in 2020 with the social justice movement with the start of George Floyd. And the young people went to the streets. They took their rightful place. They demanded change, and they got a lot of change. And if you reflect back mm -hmm. to the civil rights movement, it was the young people who did the sit-ins at the restaurants and the Woolworths and those people and who were the freedom riders who were killed, who were beaten, and who were jailed, the college kids. And if it had not been for the college kids getting beaten, things that happened to them on the Edna Pettus Bridge and in these places, we probably would have never got the civil rights legislation we got. So it was the younger people, and they were all black. They were white. They were Jewish. They were people who said, this is not right, and we're going to stand up. And we saw that in 2020 with the murder of George Floyd, and we even see it continuing today. Well, I, <clears throat> I'm old enough, so I remember those days. And uh, I was, uh, you know, I was up in Cleveland at the time, and we had uh, a lot of action going on uh, in, in that area. And I, I think that, uh, you know, what you've done over your life and your career is amazing. Well, thank you. I really do. And it's been my honor to serve and give back to this community over the past four decades. And I don't regret it at well, all. Well, that's great. And uh, any of you that uh, need any help with real estate, Rodney is a premier uh, real estate uh, agent and he can help you find a good home. 
And, yes, uh, you can call our brokerage today. <laughs> uh, so Rodney Long Realty, you just certainly do that. And, uh, and, and you know, that, yeah. I, th I think that's great because those of us in the community, we, we, we're very involved in, in Melden Law. We try to be uh, a, a social force within the community, and we want to be involved in all of the activities. And I really appreciate you coming on today and letting everybody know what's going on because we got Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, celebration coming up. So thank you very much, Rodney, for coming on, and it's uh, my pleasure having you as our guest today. Thank you very much, Jeffrey. Appreciate you all having me. When you're a member of the Gator Nation, you know what it means to never back down. Melden Law has been a proud supporter of the Gator Nation since 1971. Two forces that won't back down. As the old saying goes, if you can't beat them, join them. Albert. Alberta, I understand you were witnesses to a crash. Can you tell us about the accident? When you're in a crash, it's important to get witness statements immediately after the accident. Whether you're in a car, truck, motorcycle, scooter, or even a golf cart accident, at Melden Law, we won't back down. The Gator Nation will be the first to tell you that in all kinds of weather, we all stick together. Which is why Melden Law is honored to be the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. We hope you never find yourself the victim of a serious accident. But if you do, our team is here for you. Gators won't back down from a fight, and neither do we. Gosh, I can't even believe this. Look, look what you have done to my truck. Excuse me, it's your fault, it's not my fault. Yes, it is your no, fault. Not, not I am time. calling Jeffrey Meldon from Meldon Law. So I'm going to call Jeffrey, my husband. Meldon Law, this is Jeffrey speaking. Jeffrey! This no, no, here, this person lady, he might... New client? Yes, but this one might be a little tricky. We still hear it, the sound of victory, the joy of being part of something great. And while things may not be the same right now, we haven't gone anywhere. If you bleed orange and blue, then Melden Law is the firm for you. We are here at the University of Florida, where Albert and Alberta are competing in the Gator Penalty Shootout. Albert is ready to stop the shot at all costs. What a disaster. Luckily, Melton Law is the only official warfare partner of the Florida Gators. If you have suffered any injury, do not worry, because Melton Law is going to help you with your recovery. Melton Law doesn't back down until they reach their goal. Welcome back to Melden Law and Friends. I'm Jeffrey Melden, founder of Melden Law. Uh, we have offices in Gainesville, Ocala, Lake City, Fort Lauderdale. We serve the entire state of Florida. 
And uh, it's our pleasure to have this podcast uh, every single week. Uh, we go live Tuesday at 4 p.m. on Facebook. Go Facebook, Melden Law and Friends, or on YouTube, as well as 37 other audio platforms. So uh, check us out. We've uh, really enjoyed uh, our last uh, little over a year now. We, I think we're uh, coming up on a year and a quarter doing uh, this podcast, and it's uh, our honor to be doing it from Spurrier's Gridiron Grill, where uh, you can have both a tour of a museum and dinner at the same uh, time. So uh, come on out and have a good time. Anyhow, uh, our second guest for the show today uh, is Tim Montgomery, who used to be the fastest man in the world. Uh, welcome, Tim. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, it's really exciting. Um, everybody likes to see uh, the Olympics and people, uh, you know, running fast and things like that. And uh, that's part of your life experience, right? Speed has been a part of me. Yeah. So why don't you go back? Uh, we were talking earlier. I love the stories you were telling about growing up. Uh, tell tell all of our listeners a little bit how you uh, started getting involved in uh, you know running fast. Well, I was a little mischievous child, and my father would chase me around, which started the speed process early. After that, right there, me and my cousin was coming back from the store one day, and he was like the best football player in town. He was the athlete in our little town from Gaffney, South Carolina. And uh, a dog started chasing us, and I beat him home. And he looked at me and said, I think I got something for us. And, <laughs> and what was that? So he started setting up races against the older guys. Uh, he would take me out there. I probably weighed 89 pounds soaking wet. And I would go against these guys that was seven years older than me, and I would outrun them for money. So I started street racing at an early age. I never knew about street racing. So, so people would uh, they put a buck down and uh, go who who can who can run uh, from uh, this tree to the to the next tree from light pole to light pole, mailbox to mailbox. Oh wow, wow! And so um, now, what did that lead to? You were telling me that uh, when you were what the ninth grade, you were able to figure out a way to. Uh, you know, start racing in uh, school? Yeah, so uh, our town, Gavin, South Carolina, is known for football, not track. And my father is a big football fan. But I was so small, every time I would play football, I would end up breaking something. So he asked me, could I find a, a cheaper sport? Well, I couldn't really hit the baseball uh, because I wanted to run before I hit the ball. So... <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I went out for the, I, I was at school because our junior high school went from seventh grade to ninth grade, and the high school went from tenth grade to twelfth grade. And I seen a a high schooler give one of the girls at the junior high his Leatherman jacket, a girl that I was interested in. And so I said, I got to get me one of them. So me being me, I figured out a way to. Uh, asked could I join the track team in the ninth grade. And so I went out for the track team in ninth grade, and the coach said, uh, what events you want to run? And I said, what events are there? 
I didn't really know a lot about track at the time. He said, well, you can do a 400 when you go all the way around this circle. I said, I don't think I'm going to do that. And he said, you can do a 200 where you go halfway around the circle. And I said, I'm used to running straight. And he said, okay, well, how about the 100 meters? So I was like, okay, yeah, that, that'll probably work. He said, okay, i tell you what. We into the season a little bit, and I want to know if you're fast or not. Go over there and get on the line, and when you hear me say go, take off. Well, he didn't say go. He shot a gun in the air. And where I'm from, when you shoot a gun in the air, you go. <laughs> so I took off, and then I didn't even know if I won or lost the race. And at the end of the finish line, I started to walk off because I thought I had lost. And he was like, hey, 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 come back here, come back here. He said, oh, you really are fast. And I said, uh, why you say that? He said, you just beat all my seniors. I said, yeah, I told you I was fast. <laughs> so from there on, I became, um, I wanted just a Letterman jacket. So to get a Letterman jacket, you had to have 15 points. First place was seven points. I won my first three races. So I was going to quit. And then I ran into a guy named Stephen Davis. He was the running back for Auburn. He was the running back for I Carolina remember the Packers. name. Stephen Davis was the he, – he, he had six touchdowns against our football team. And Stephen Davis had never been beaten before. In and, running? In running. Never been beaten at a track meet. And I put my eyes on Stephen Davis. And I ended up beating Stephen Davis in the regionals. He, he ended up winning in state, which we still say he jumped the gun. He ran a 10:28 in state. He was 12th grade. I was 9th grade. So I came in second with 10:33 in the 9th grade. Wow. So uh, I ended up, and then he was supposed to run the 200. He didn't run the 200. I ran the 200, and I ran 21:01 and had the state record in 9th grade. Wow. That's amazing. So um, <clears throat> did you? trained to run or did you just learn how to run just being in the neighborhood well the neighborhood and i'm so impatient that i would run around the house when a commercial would come on like i hate sitting around so i'll be watching cartoons and when the commercial came on i'd run out the front door and run all the way back around into the house and see can i beat the the show back on Oh, I like that. So, that. so all of our listeners, if you have impatient kids at home, tell them <clears throat> that um, Tim Montgomery learned to run fast by uh, running around the house, and maybe uh, they'll run off some energy that way. That way. Or come to Numa <laughs> Speed, and I can run it out for <laughs> So fast forward, um, you graduate from high school, and you, you, you wind up going to college, right? Well, I'm going to take you a little step further. Uh, I had a friend that had gotten into an argument, and I had scholarships from all over, but I really didn't want to leave South Carolina. I never left the state of South Carolina at the time, and I didn't know anything about the SAT, the ACT, so I just thought I was going to get a job at the local plant where all the other people in the town worked at, and uh, he ended up shooting this guy right in front of my face and it it changed me. I ran home and I called uh, the first letter that I had was Clemson and a, and a guy named Mark Block picked the phone up and I said, hey, I have a letter from your school saying I can go there. He was like, 
who is this? I said, Tim Montgomery. He said, oh, yeah. Uh, what's your SAT scores? What's your ACT scores? And I said, I don't even know what that is. And so he's like, uh, well, it's really late, but let me see what I can do. I just, I need to get out of town. So he called me back and said, there's a Bland Junior College where you can go to there and start there and then come back to Clemson. Well, Bland Junior College was in Texas, Brenham, Texas. And um, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Texas. So we went to church that Sunday, and they said, everybody that's going to college, please stand up. And I stood up, and one of the guys in, in church that day said, I'm on my way to Wichita Falls in a service. You can catch a ride with me. So I ended up catching a ride with him 16 hours later as I drove the whole way. And I stopped in this little town called Montgomery, Alabama. I said, whoa. After eight or nine hours driving, it was I saw Montgomery out of balance. Oh, that, that must be a town for me. So I stopped and pulled over there, and I'll tell you throughout the story what happened after Montgomery out of balance. I ended up going there for a little longer time later in the story. So where did you wind up um, uh, going to school at? So I went to Bland Junior College, uh, the same school as Cam Newton went to after he went from Florida to Bland Junior College, and uh, I ended up running. Uh, nine nine six. I broke the world junior record at nineteen years old. And what year was that? That was nineteen ninety four. Okay, so nineteen years old, nineteen ninety four, and you're running the hundred meters under ten seconds. Yes, sir. That's amazing, and that was the world record at the time for the juniors. For juniors, because yes. you were what's a junior? Nineteen and under, as long as your birthday uh, fall uh, under before. February of the next year. Oh, wow. Okay, so um, when, and what went on after that? Were you, you were running in school, or did you go into professional running, or what? So after I ran 996, I broke Andre Kaysen's uh, record of 1008, and uh, I just thought I was going to be the richest person in the world. I ended up going back home and Reebok, Adidas, Nike, a6, everyone was calling calling me. But at the time, they only offered me $75,000 a contract. For how long? About $75,000 a year. Okay. And my dad said, no, you're not going to take that. He said, that's not enough money for you to come out of school and, and, st and, and become professional. Okay. So... I was very upset. I ended up going back to school in uh, 1995, uh, came around, and then 1996 Olympic Games in Atlanta came around. And Gatlin, South Carolina is only two and a half hours from Atlanta. Right. And I was like, I have to make that team. Okay. And I ended up making the team. Oh, you did? And, and, and were you running the 100 meters? I ran the four by one. Okay. So that. Um, a hundred meters, so there are four team members that are running. Yes, you run four hundred each one, break it down a hundred meters. And then, it's, and did you actually run in the Olympics? Yes, I did. I ended up being the guy that Carl Lewis uh, wanted to to take my spot because after he won the, the long jump, he wanted I beat Carl Lewis in in trials. I got sixth place, and part of the reason why I didn't do so well there is because. After school, I didn't stay at school and keep training. I went back to South Carolina and tried to train myself before the Olympic Games. And that's hard. That's hard. 
And so, so you, you, you actually got to run in the 4x100. Four 4x100, by 100. Four by and we ended up taking silver medal in, in Atlanta. So you got a silver medal in the Olympics in Atlanta. In Atlanta. That's amazing. Now, did, were you in the Olympics again after that? Yes, and in uh, 2000, I ended up going to Sydney. Well, after that, right, there were championships. I took a bronze. I took a gold in 1999. Uh, World Championships and then Olympic Games in 2000. We ended up taking the gold in the four by one. Wow! And and that was in the Olympics in Sydney. In Sydney, yes, sir. Well, we are talking with Tim Montgomery, uh, the the world's fastest man in uh, the year 2000, and we're getting ready to uh, uh, hear some amazing story. Uh, we're going to be back in 60 seconds. I want to remind everybody to please go to uh, Meldon Law Facebook page for our free ticket giveaways to all the Gator sports. And uh, this show is on uh, uh, Facebook, Meldon Law and Friends, as well as YouTube and 37 other audio channels. We'll be back in 60 seconds. We are here at the University of Florida, where Albert and Alberta are competing in the Gator Penalty Shootout. Albert is ready to stop the shot at all costs. What a disaster. Luckily, Meldon Law is the only official lawfare partner of the Florida Gators. If you have suffered any injury, do not worry, because Meldon Law is going to help you with your recovery. Meldon Law doesn't back down until they reach their goal. We still hear it, the sound of victory, the joy of being part of something great. And while things may not be the same right now, we haven't gone anywhere. If you bleed orange and blue, then Melden Law is the firm for you. Welcome back to Melden Law and Friends. I'm here with Tim Montgomery, uh, the fastest man in the world at one time. And uh, we're uh, talking about uh, his career with the Olympics. We're in the year 2000 now. It's the Sydney Olympics. And uh, you said that uh, you had won a gold medal in the 4 by one 100 uh, race. And uh, what happened uh, after that uh, Olympics? So after the Olympic Games, um, 2001, I won a silver medal in Sydney, uh, 100 meters, and then a gold medal in Sydney, 4x1 in the World Championships. After the World Championships, 2002, I ended up started training with Marion Jones, uh, the female runner. We have a, a, a grown son now that is 18 years old that is running track uh, for the University of Texas come next year. He's fast. Yes, he's fast. Good. And so uh, I end up stumbling across uh, what I would call a doctor. Uh, in my sports, you either go to GNC or you find somebody to help you. And I ended up finding the wrong person that said he was helping me but ended up har putting harmful stuff in my body. And I ended up getting suspended. And after getting suspended and not feeling like track and field supported me and felt like everybody had turned against me. My mind had started to turn against myself. 
my mind had started entering into just giving up. Uh, if you've seen the Antonio Brown situation, sometimes your mind goes to a place that if you just step back for a split second and thought about the thing that you were about to do, maybe you wouldn't have done it. But sometimes you think too quickly and you just do it. And when you do it, it's a price to play. And I've done it and I paid the price. So what happened to you? So I ended up getting suspended where they said you cannot get suspended because they, you don't have a positive test. And I spent so much money on attorneys and lawyers and everything else. And then I had a friend that told me that, hey, the quickest way to make some money is in the drug game. And I've been, we've been from South Carolina and understanding that the guys that makes money are on the corner selling drugs. I gave them money and I ended up going to prison for four years for being part of a drug conspiracy. Um, within them four years, I really had time to look back on my life and, and really ask myself, how? Why? I don't even want to be here anymore. And that's when I came up with the, the slogan, Numa, never underestimate my ability. Wow. So you're in prison uh, and you're actually thinking about how am I going to come out of prison and make something of my life? Yes. First, I was trying to figure out how I'm going to survive in prison. And the greatest thing about the way I was able to survive in prison was that I had a gift. And also I had knowledge over the years how to train people. And some of the biggest and strongest people that's in prison was lifting weights and wanted my expertise. So they ended up befriending me for my expertise and I started understanding how much of a joy it would be to be a coach. Okay, so you when you say lifting weights, um, when you were training as a runner, uh, there's a lot of things you do. Some of it's lifting weights. Some of it's also, you know, other kinds of training, right? Yes, it's it's, it's all type of forms of training. It's, it's heel training. It's swimming. It's biking. It's lifting weights. It's sprinting. It's cardio. It's jogging. In order to get your body to where it it needs to perform at a high level, you must perform. You must train every muscle with inside your body. So you use all these different modalities in order to uh, get to peak performance. Yes, sir. And, and so you come out of prison, and, uh, t you know, what was, what was your journey like after that? Well, I felt like in there, you, you go in and you have all these people that they say that's in your corner, and you come out, and you go four years, and they're not in your corner. Now you come out and... I started working construction, and one day I was cleaning out some gutters at, at, at a lady's house, and she looked at me, she just pulled the curtain back, it was like, I was a peeping Tom, and I was like, you know what, this is not for me. I went to Walmart, got me some cones, went out to the field, and started training people for free. Wow. Oh, so you got those like orange cones at uh, yes, Walmart. <laughs> Walmart. Yeah, yes. I know. I got some at home. Yeah. <laughs> so you're so, training. Yeah. Well, no, I've been. So my story is when um, 
when I reach 49 years old, I'm, I said, when I'm 50, I want to be in better shape than when I, uh, am, you know, was 49 on my birthday. And I've made a commitment every year since then to be in better shape than the year before. And to do that, I hired a personal trainer three days a week. And I have uh, kept that up for more than 25 years. Uh, every single uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, um, I work out with a personal trainer. I do weight training. I do running. I do all that stuff. And uh, so I admire uh, your story because um, it's basically kept me in pretty good shape. And that's the same thing I do. I lift 315 on my birthday. My birthday is January 28th. So every year I try to lift 315 on my birthday. Oh, wow. So Is that a bench story. press? Yes. Oh, my God. So that's almost double your weight. Yes, I've always been a strong. My, my max is 345. I only weigh 160. Wow. Yeah, I I have trouble. I can't even get to my, my own weight, let alone uh, double my weight. But that's another story. So anyhow, so tell us a little bit about your training um, uh, business and, and what you do to help people um, improve their lives. So uh, I, I came out from a background of track and field and been around the weight room all my life and training and getting my body in peak performance. Then I went to prison, and I seen people performance is something different. These guys was doing 100 pull-ups at a time. They were doing 200 push-ups at a time. They were squatting thousands of pounds. I just didn't know the body could go that far. So now I took that all that knowledge and came up with a program that can trick the body and enhance the body if you're 4 years old or if you're 100 years old. I... God has blessed me with the ability to, to make a program that would fit you. And that's what Numa Speedy Elite is about. Elite is not about performing. It's about you showing up and you feeling elite within yourself. So give us an example of uh, some of the things that people can do. I know you have a studio on Tower Road. Is that right? Yes, sir. And so uh, people come out there, and then uh, you have training sessions, individual training sessions for folks? We have group training. Everybody come out there. I'm not running track. I'm not trying to be a sprinter. And I'll say, hey, it's not about being a sprinter. It's about if you get in trouble, can you get away? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's train just to get away. Okay? Uh, right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's what we start with. We start with balance. We start with coordination. We start with the movement. We start to see how you move correctly. A lot of people have knee pain, back pain, joint pains because they're not moving correctly. They have shin splints because they're not wearing the right shoes. They're not, they're not massaging the balls of their feet. Uh, There's a lot of different things that they're not doing that's keeping them away from meeting their goal of fitness. So what are some of the um, uh, programs that uh, you have? Well, you know, if I come out there and say, Tim, I want to do a uh, training session uh, with you three times a week, what are some, what, what would you do, with, you know, with an old guy like me? Well, I will, I will first see about any old injuries that you have, and then we'll address them first. From there forth, we'll then start working with your, your cardiovascular system. And then from there, we'll start moving to your muscle system. Because if you don't have endurance, there's no way we're going to sit there and go straight to weights. 
So you must start working with your body weight and then move from your body weight into your into weights or pushing a sled or or resistant with bands or going forward in that motion. So one of the things that I've learned training is it's not how much weight you, you lift or push around. It's the form and uh, making sure that you do the correct, you know, the correct form uh, a lot of times is a lot better. You get a lot better result than trying to push too much weight. Yes, it's like the angles of a chair. A chair can hold 400 pounds, 500 pounds because of the angle that it was built at. Same thing with a house. So if your form is right and your angles are right, then you can lift correctly and don't have to put that much weight on. If you lift and wrong, you're going to get hurt. Yeah, I mean, in the old days, I used to um, try to lift as much weight as I could because I thought that was, you know, important. And then as I've uh, grown older and uh, trained, you know, over many years, uh, the one mantra I hear is form, 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 don't hurt yourself, don't uh, do too much weight. So anybody that comes out uh, to NUMA is not going to, uh, get injured by you, correct? We pray and not. But <laughs> we're having a demonstration tomorrow, 5, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. We're going to have food. We're going to have bounce house. We're going to have drinks. We're going to have fun. You can come and see what NUMA is all about. Uh, we're going to have a ribbon cutting. Please come out to NUMA Speed. You can look us up on numaspeed.com or you can look us up on at NUMA Speed Elite on Instagram or Facebook. Numa Speed Elite, and I look forward to seeing y'all and look forward to sharing my gift that I've been blessed with so I can be a blessing to you. Well, that's really um, important, and I will tell you as um, someone who believes in training, and uh, I've really made it uh, an important part of my life, um, it, it is the best gift you can give to yourself. Invest in a trainer. And I'll tell you why. At first, it seemed like, uh, oh, you know, it's a lot of money. There's a couple things that uh, having a trainer uh, did for me. Number one, it made me accountable. Uh, I had to show up because um, I had made a commitment to a trainer. I was going to be there at whatever. I used to train at lunchtime, so uh, I, I wouldn't uh, eat lunch at the office. Uh, I'd go and I'd uh, train for an hour and then come back and have a, enough to get me through the day, <laughs> and, and it worked fine. And uh, now I train uh, after work at 5.30 for a, uh, an hour, three days a week. Uh, the commitment to a trainer, I think, is incredibly important. And then the consistency is, you, you know, you have to uh, stick with it. It's not an overnight deal. No, it's like trying to perform surgery on yourself. It's just hard to do. But if you let me push you and, and take you beyond your levels, then you can get more out of it. And that's what a trainer can help you do. So the website is, uh, what is it again? Numa? Numaspeed.com. So we go to Numaspeed.com, and then uh, Tim Montgomery will, uh, you know, get back with you. What's the phone number folks want to call? 352-262-7573. Okay, so you've got uh, Tim's phone number, uh, numaspeed.com, and it's, it's easy to get to. It's right off Tower Road, um, so uh, it's near Oak Hall School. Uh, you can uh, find him there, and uh, I can tell you that uh, uh, 
having a trainer is the greatest gift that you can give to yourself. And uh, when you get older, um, you can still get around. A lot of the folks that are my age, uh, they, they don't get around so good, but uh, I'm still, uh, you know, really making it happen. Yeah. And so uh, I want to thank Tim Montgomery uh, and his company, Numa Speed, for uh, sharing his story with us today on Meldon Law and Friends. And next week, we'll be back with another great edition of Meldon Law and Friends. Thank you very much for watching and listening. Thank you.